0: I love you. <laughs> I told D if he doesn't give me a chance to say that, I'm going to quit. So <laughs> that's why he didn't say it this morning. Uh, it's good to see everybody. Thank you guys so much for being here. We are on a ten-week series called "How to Obtain uh, Wisdom." We're going through the Book of Proverbs. Um, if you're looking for wisdom, the Book of a Proverbs is where you're going to find the explanations. Where you're going to find the definition. It's where you're going to find the principles and the guidelines and the structure of how to obtain wisdom. So we'll be walking right through that book, but before we talk about how to obtain wisdom, we definitely need to talk about what wisdom is. Lots of different definitions, but all the definitions kind of come down to, to one rock, come down to one point. And in that rock and in that point, there has to be a truth. There has to be an order and there has to be a crater if you're going to even have the truth. So there has to be a stone that's at at the bottom. And this is where all these definitions even, even come from, um, even from a secular world. It's like, well, we've got to find the truth before we can start wisdom. Well, that is correct. You have to know the truth before you start wisdom. And to have a truth, you have to have a creator. So I will say that it's a God word. Wisdom is from the creator, from God. But here's a definition we've been using. Straight uh, um, Tim Keller um, uses this and, and works off of it. It's called, Wisdom is making the right choices when the moral rules do not apply. The moral rules are referred to as the Bible. We have all sorts of guidelines through the Bible, which is a structure, which is a base on how life functions, how life works, and how we should work for the purpose of prosperity, for the purpose of love, for the purpose of understanding an internal perspective. So we have the Bible, but it only gives us about 20% of the moral rules on how to live life. Um, Then all of a sudden, 80% comes to, do I have wisdom or do I not have wisdom? you examples how do you raise your children is there a step-by-step guideline of when to speak when not to speak how to discipline when to discipline all these things about raising your children from step to step all the way from the crib all the way to 18 years old Um, if you're looking in the bible for a step for step answer of how you should speak to your kids talk to your kids work with your kids and love your kids it's you're not going to find that in the bible you're going to find principles and you're going to find guidelines that says this is a foundation of it. But that's 20% of your decisions. You have another 80% that is required for wisdom. You know that if you look through the Bible, that there is not one single good example on how to raise your children. I mean, do you follow Abraham's example? <laughs> no, don't follow Abraham's. What about Jacob? you follow his example how to raise children? No, definitely stay away from Jacob. You're doing a lot better than Jacob. Everybody in the room did a lot better than Jacob. Uh, what about David? Follow his example? You look through the Bible, where's a good example of how to raise children? Did you know that Jesus' parents, I mean, they left Jerusalem and they forgot their 12-year-old son. Ha, oh my goodness, where's Jesus? You know, we left him. I mean, that's not a very good example of how to parent a child. Uh, wisdom fills in the gap of how we should parent our child, but where does it come from? It comes from our mind. It comes from our heart. It comes from a decision that we have to make when there is no rule, moral rules that are applied. When to speak, when not to speak, how to love, how to give, how to serve, all the way through every situation is given, and that is in the category of wisdom. Therefore, Proverbs is shouting out, go after it, find it, seek it, take it, obtain wisdom. And that is what our series is about. So looking at every single week we're going to talk about, well, this is a topic of how to obtain it. And there's 10 different principles of how we can obtain it. And here's the one for this week. To obtain wisdom, you must be in touch with reality. Walked in my office on Thursday and I had somebody sleeping on my couch. And uh, he had a hood that was down just below his, his eyes. And, and uh, I don't think he showered for you know, quite some time. And, and uh, he was just sound asleep. And as he is sound asleep, I walk in there and says, okay, I've got to ask the question and figure that out. What is he doing there? What does he need? Um, where is he going? And is there anything that I could do to help? So, of course, I just walk in and sit on my chair and say, how you doing? Let me introduce myself. I've got to figure out what's going on because I need to make a wise decision in regards to what is taking place um, in my office. So I started asking him questions. I said, where do you live? He said, place to place. I said, uh, do you have a shelter? Do you have a home? He said, Sometimes. I said, where are you going? He said, well, I want to go down to California. I said, well, how are you getting there? He said, I, I don't know. I said, well, are you planning on you know, hitchhiking? He says, "I no. Are you planning on uh, catching a bus? No. You planning on walking? No. Uh, trying to figure out, because I want to make a wise decision what to do, and I'm thinking, do I give them money? Do I not give them money? I don't know the answer. So I just continue to ask questions. Well, how long have you been traveling? He says, a long time. I said, has it been a year? He said, no. Has it been months? He said, no. Has it been days? He said, yes. I said, has it been 10 days? He said, no. I said, well, how many days? He said, five days. So five days is a long time? Yes, five days is a long time. So you left on Friday from home? Yes, I've been traveling since Friday. I said, so are you looking for a place to stay? And he says, No. Are you looking for food? I mean, some people took care of him in our church already, and he had food. And he said, No. I said, Are you wanting money? And he said, No. I said, Do you need something from us? And he says, I'd like to stay on your couch for a couple days. And I said, I don't know if that's going to work to stay on my couch for a couple days. And I finally just asked him a question I said, How old are you? And he said, I'm 14. And I was thinking it was like, you know, 20s, but then all of a sudden my mind shifts like, okay, I'm trying to find reality, and now my mind is shifting towards a whole different reality of probably what is really taking place. So I started asking um, other questions. I said, do you have family? He said, no. I said, do you have uh, attend school? He said, no. I said, did you attend school five days ago before you left? He said, yes. I'm like, the day that you attended school, did you in the morning leave a home with guardians inside the home? He said, yes. And as we continued to talk for two and a half hours, we started getting to some bottom of things. And, uh, and once we got to the bottom, I said, you know what, I'm going to call the cops. Um, just because I want to see if there's a report out there and to see what is going on, because I'm just trying to figure out reality of how I can respond And I asked him, I go, I'm going to call the cops. Are you okay with that? He says, oh, yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. I said, if there is a home, you know, would you like to go back to it? He says, oh, yeah, I'm definitely okay with that as well. So, of course, I called... The cops and, and the police, and the, the police, um, so I said, well, this is what I have. I have somebody in my office, and he's 14 years old, and this is his name, and this is his age. And I was wondering if there's a report, and they said, well, we're not going to tell you if there's a report or not. And I'm like, okay, I don't care. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. But she says, let me go look, and then I'll get back to you. So she looks, and she gets back to me and says, somebody's going to come pick him up. And uh, they'll pick him up in about 45 minutes. And I said, okay, that's fine. So I sit, he sits in my office for 45 minutes. Somebody walks in the door. Person walks in the door. He just just kind of puts his hand up to me like this, like don't speak. And he kind of stood. And that person got up and he walked out. As he said, the car's outside. And uh, then the guy looked at me, who came to pick him up, and said, "You know, he's a runaway." And I said, "How come you couldn't have come in before him? It took me two and a half hours to figure out what was what was what was going on in that situation. It took you about four seconds." But you can't respond to anything until you figure out what is really going on. You can't respond to anything until you figure out what is in other people's heads, what is in other people's minds, what is really taking place in a world around you. You need to understand what is going on in God's mind if you're ever going to have wisdom because you'll never be able to figure anything out until we start exploring, not ourselves, with the minds that are around us. You might think, well, that's easy. All they have to do is explore the minds around us. No big deal. Well, um, I hate to say it, we are cursed people. And if you go back, and I don't want to go into great details, but I'll go back into Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve take the fruit, disobey God. Why did they take the fruit? They took the fruit because it would make them more wise. It would make them like God. It would make them more powerful. What are those three temptations, three, tempta- uh, three things that are given to them? Oh my goodness, I can be somebody. Narcissism was embraced as soon as the fruit left the tree. And narcissism is completely in our system every person born after Adam and Eve. And what we do is we, we don't like to admit it, we don't even like to say it out loud, but we don't see reality because we are so focused on ourselves. However, if we sit and focus on the world around us and study reality and not focus on ourselves, wisdom increases. In fact, I would say that that is what wisdom is, is to understand the reality around us rather than to be enclosed from our curse upon ourselves. To increase in wisdom, it must have to take our eyes off ourselves and focus on the things that are out there. So looking at a passage, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1 starting right from the beginning of the book. And remember, Solomon is the wisest guy in the world, so when he gives us a an opening statement, it's going to say a lot of stuff. And we can finish the entire series just on this one passage. But we'll work through this passage to see what he's going to say, because whatever he says is going to set up the rest of the book of Proverbs. So here's what he says, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, do what is right and just and fair for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the saying of riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise discipline. So let's look at this verse, and we're going to ask two questions. How wisdom is connected to reality, and this verse answers it, and also how to get in touch with reality, and this verse answers it. So how is wisdom connected to reality? First, we want to do is we want to look at synonyms through the, verses, through the verse, because these synonyms carry all the way through the book, and it's, this verse is completely repeated in even Proverbs chapter 8. But what is the synonym that is repeated? Number two, wisdom is insight, knowing how things really are. If you look at... Uh, The Webster Dictionary, they'll give you a definition of insight. And what is a definition of insight? It's a deep inspection of what is going on. It's a deep inspection. See, what we do is we have to put everything into context. But what is context? Well, number one, we have our Creator that has a purpose, that has a vision, that has a mission for our life, and has a design for our life. So if we're going to have wisdom, we first have to put everything in that context and view everything from that context. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, say you come to church and, and worship is just on fire and you're just feeling it and all of a sudden the word starts to be spoken and you're just feeling it and you're just loving God and then you leave church. Monday morning you show up to work. You work in a factory and in the factory... God has put you there around everybody, around everybody you work with for the purpose of giving the gospel to them because they have souls that are not saved. And God has entrusted his word to you for impact. All these souls that are not saved say Jesus every day. They say God every day. They say Christ every day. But every time they say it, it's in vain and it's in mockery. So as you're in this situation, there is... A perspective of how we should respond. But say if you start molding to where they're at, and you start saying God in vain, and you start saying Christ in vain, what is the reality of what's going on? The reality of what is going on is that you are placed in a position to give them God, and you've molded into position to the God that you're going to give them to mock God in that process. See, that's lack of insight. That is is lack of wisdom. What that is, is that's narrowed minded thinking, I am not putting my job in the context that my job should be in the context of. If I want to grow in wisdom, I've got to put everything in the context of God. Everything. Forgiving. You know, I have somebody that I don't want to forgive, and you know what? I have the right not to forgive them, and I really don't have the desire to forgive them. Therefore, I'm not going to forgive them, and I'm going to live that way. Well, we've got to put that statement in a context. What kind of context do we put the statement in? Maybe a verse is spoken of in every gospel about the person that does not forgive. Why wouldn't you forgive when God has forgiven you this much? When we take the words and we put it in that context and we see it from God's perspective, we start to see reality. And when we see reality, what do we do? We need to make decisions in regards to that reality if we're going to start. Wisdom. Um, it also comes from even not necessarily being under the concept of eternity, but it even comes in the concept of our relationships. Talk about um, our wives. You know, um, I need deep inspection and understanding Um, When I have women in my house Um, I'm married to one I'm raising two I have six heifer cows I have two female cats And I'm buying two female dogs next week And I'm the only male that is in the home I need insight (laughs) If I'm going to have wisdom Why? Why? I cannot hold onto a narcissistic mind because I am a man. And as I am a man, I need to understand my wife's mind. I need to understand my daughter's mind. I won't get into the cow's mind and all those things because that's just, you know. I need to understand what reality is around me. And if I am focused on myself, my mind, how I function, how I work, then I will never get in touch with reality. I will never see reality. I will never explore reality. Wisdom is insight. And going after that insight is an extremely important step if you'll ever be wise. The degree that I know how everybody really works, including God, is the degree of how wise I will be or how wise I will not be. Looking in the same verse, this is verse verse 2 of our passage, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. Insight is a word that consistently used all the way through the book of Proverbs. Number three, let's look at another synonym. Wisdom is prudence. Another word that is consistently used. What does it mean? Know how things really are. Prudence comes from the word practical, the way that things really are. Uh, What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, if a private investigator walks into a room, say a, a crime room, he'll walk in there and say, boy, I see 20 clues. Now, if I walked into a crime room, I'd look around and say, I don't, I don't see any clues. But see, he is trained to see distinctions that nobody else sees because he's looking for them. So he walks in and he sees a lot more than I would ever wa- uh, see if I walked in the room. But also somebody who is prudent notices various and many more possibilities that are at hand. So I'll just give you an example and a picture of, of prudence seeing more possibilities. You might say, you know, I'm in a situation that there is no way to get out. Well, maybe there's one way. And then all of a sudden, somebody starts talking to you. say, are you crazy? One way to get out? I see 20 ways for you to get out of this situation that would be healthy. See what happens is is prudence is opening your eyes up to the way things really are. And that's what wisdom is opening up our eyes, walking into a room, seeing things that nobody else sees, and opening our eyes and seeing a vision and a mission that is even beyond the thoughts of how things really are and how things are really working. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, or 4 says, for giving prudence to the simple. In other words, we're simple before we get prudence. It's going to take an opening of the mind for us to understand. Number four, wisdom is discretion, knowing what to do about it. Discretion means wise conduct and management. Cautious discernment is what discretion means. To give you an example of what it looks like, as knowledge understands that the light has turned red, wisdom is applying the brakes. Knowledge sees the quicksand, and wisdom is saying, I see it, and I know what's going to take place, therefore I will walk around it. Knowledge is memorizing the Ten Commandments, and wisdom is obeying them. Knowledge learns God, and wisdom loves God. I see how things really work, I know how things really are, and I want to know what to do about it. Those are the steps of walking towards wisdom. Proverbs 1 this is verse 4 for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. When you are young, you know nothing. Zero insight when you're a baby, but even when you're a child, you carry very little insight, very little understanding of how things work, how things function. When you're a baby trying to walk, you don't even understand that when you put two feet in front of the other, there's a possibility you could fall down and you just keep on getting up and keep on happening, keeps up. There's no understanding how things work, no understanding how things really are. But you can get discretion. And as you get discretion, as you get wisdom, you can start understanding that. So, knowing how things really work, knowing how things really are, and knowing what to do about them is how wisdom is connected to reality. But let's ask a question, how do you get that? How do you get connected with reality? The verse answers that question. Number five, to get in touch with reality, you must be a listener. Now, when we think of a listener, um, it's easy to say, oh, good, I am a very wise person because I'm a good um, listener. Um, We are poorer listeners than we believe we are. We are more narcissistic than we believe we are. We are more closed in ourselves, and I'm not saying it's horrific because, you know, it is our curse, but we are more closed in ourselves than we think we are. Let me give you a couple examples. If you had a conversation in the foyer... I don't want you to hold this against me, but I've had lots of conversations in the foyer. And have you ever listened to yourself talk? Um, In the foyer, I'm confessing all my sins. In the foyer, as you talk to me about your situation, do you know what often I refer to or talk about when you're talking to me about your situation? You say, oh, you're going through this? Oh, let me tell you what I'm going through. And I start talking about my situation. And then you know what you do? I'm just telling you, you start, continue to talk about your situation. And then I continue to talk about my situation. And I can, you continue to talk about how you feel about it. And then I continue how I talk, feel about mine. To give you a better picture, there's a story about two grandparents walked up to each other and they came up to each other and says, I want you to see my grandkids. They are the most beautiful grandkids in the world. And this grandpa pulled out his phone that he knew how to use, pulled out his phone and said, look at all those grandkids. And what did the other grandpa say? Oh, my goodness. You want to see some grandkids? He pulled out his phone and said, look at these grandkids. And they had a five-minute conversation about how beautiful the grandkids were. Then they walked away from each other. And both of them thought, I never even saw that person's grandkids. All I did was sit there and talk about how wonderful mine was. And my eyes never left that screen. See, we are more out of touch with reality than we think we are because we're not very good listeners. Have you ever gone to counseling? My wife and you know, we've gone to counseling, you know, through our lives we don't want anything to get bad, so we'll go to counseling and we'll figure it out and then everything's good and it, it works out well. But do you know what the counselor's goal is because I do a lot of counseling? Do you know what the counselor's goal is? The counselor's goal is if I can just get her to see from his perspective and if I can just get him to see from her perspective, In other words, if I can just open their eyes up to reality, because I see reality, that's what the counselor is saying, I see the reality, if I can just open up their eyes to reality and they can listen to it and they can see it, everything would be resolved. But what happens? (laughs) People don't open their eyes up to reality. Why? Because we are narcissistic. Well, do you know how I feel? Do you know what's happened to me? And we shut the other person off, and what do we do is we talk specifically about ourselves, and then the other person's specifically talking about what? Talking about you? (laughs) No, they're talking about themselves. We are people who are in touch with our opinions, but we're not in touch with other people's opinions. We are people who are in touch with our desires, but we are people that are not in touch with other people's desires. We are people who are in touch with our hurts, But unfortunately, we're not in touch with other people's hurts. And the reason why is because of this one word, listen. Do I listen? Do I hear? Do I open up my eyes? Do I observe the world around me? Refusing to do that is refusing to live in reality. And choosing to do it is the ultimate step towards wisdom. We are not wise people because reality is all around us. And the only thing that we can see is is ourselves. But if we can get past seeing only ourselves and working only from ourselves' perspective and look into the eyes of others, then we are well on our way to wisdom. To get in touch with reality, you need to look through a couple people's eyes. Number one, you need to look through God's eyes. Everything through God's eyes. I want to listen the way God listens. I want to see the way God sees. I want to understand the way God understands. I want to not live my life through my eyes, I want to live the life through His eyes. If you want wisdom in your relationship with your wife, if you want wisdom in your relationship with your husband, you know what you have to do? You have to take your eyes off yourself. And you have to explore, insight, understand, be a listener to what's going on in her mind, in her heart, in his mind, in his heart. If you're going to raise children, you want to raise your children in a wise way. The way to raise your children in a wise way is not to explore everything that you think about is right in your own mind, But to ask your kids the question, what are you thinking? What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your emotions? But trying to explore, study, understand, and be a listener of what's going on in their mind. Being a pastor is a very uh, difficult job, and I'll tell you why it's a difficult job, is because I can stand here and not be in touch with reality. And the way that I can stand here and not be in touch with reality is I can preach from my perspective, I can talk from my perspective, I can see from my perspective... And I often preach a lot of sermons to me. In fact, I almost preach every sermon to, to, to me. But reality is in your hands, is in your mind, is in your hearts. It's in your emotions. And wisdom is not mine until I start listening to what's going on out here. Stupid and foolishness is my mind, is if I stay up here and work only function for my mind. I need to know what's going on in your heart, your mind, your eyes. And what I need to do is I need to be a listener. Proverbs 1, 5, let the wise listen. You know what wisdom is, knowing things for our work, knowing how things are, knowing what to do about it. And if you want to be wise, you need to be a listener. Somebody who does not only hear, but somebody who observes, somebody who seeks to understand, somebody who sees, and somebody who notices, it is going to take work because we are cursed people and it's consistent. Narcissism is our curse. So how else do you get wisdom? Number six, to get in touch with reality, you must be a learner. You can't get in touch with reality unless you study reality. And who has the base of reality? (laughs) You need to learn how God works because he carries reality. He is the way it is because he is our creator. So therefore, we need to study him. We need to learn how people work. We need to learn how we work. We are very closed off to how we work because when we start looking at our sense of how we work, it looks pretty ugly. Uh, But we need to figure out how we work. We need to learn how sin works, the dynamic of what sin does to us, the dynamics of what sin does to our family. And we need to be learners in that category. We need to be learners on how grace works. We need to be learners on how love works. Uh, We must be consistent learners, because you'll never get it all. But you gotta live your life starving, understanding, trying to learn how the world functions, and how the world works. Proverbs 1, 5 says this, let the wise listen and add to their learning. If they will listen, their learning will increase. But if we keep that narcissism, what happens is we will never get wise because we'll never understand reality. Number seven, to be in touch with reality, you must get guidance. This is the other part of the passage. Proverbs 1, Five, let the discerning get guidance. What's that? You're going to ask questions. You know, I'm in a good spot as a pastor. In fact, I think I'm in the best spot in the world as a pastor. And uh, the reason why is I have only been preaching for about two and a half years. And uh, I have somebody that's behind me that has been in it for 40 years. Uh, pastor d has lived in reality for 40 years and what happens is that he looks at me in my office and he can he he says this and he says it all the time i have 40 years of mistakes that i can tell you not to do (laughs) i could reject that and i could say you know what i don't want to hear that i have 40 years of success that i can tell you that worked if you let me tell you i can reject that If I choose to reject the guidance of the person that God has put me in there, you know what I'm doing? I'm choosing to remain 40 years behind when I could remain 40 years up in my position where I'm at right now. Reality has existed in our church as he has lived it. But in my position, where I'm at, am I going to take advantage of it? If I want wisdom, according to this verse, you must Take advantage of it. You must seek guidance. you must ask questions from the people that have lived in reality a whole lot longer than we have been in reality. Um, the younger people have been in reality. Proverbs 12:15: "The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 26: 12 says, "Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes?" There's more hope for a fool than for him. So we can ask this question, wise in our own eyes, and then you start talking about a fool. Um, how do you know if you're wise in your own eyes? How do you know if you are narcissistic? How do you know if that curse is using you, abusing you, and taking advantage of you, that curse of narcissism? How do you know if you are wise in your own eyes? Is there any sort of test that you can take? Did you know there is a test you can take? There's an exam that will tell you exactly how wise you are in your own eyes. And it's an exam that I really don't like to take very often. And the reason why is because um, it's a test that I fail very consistently. But are you wise in your own eyes? Here's the test. Ask this question. Am I a critical person? Or am I a judgmental person? Because if you are wise in your own eyes then everybody else out there is a fool. Everybody else out there is a fool. And when everybody else out there is a fool, God has entrusted me to say something about it. But what happens is it shields us from reality. As a church, or as we say, as as a world, um, people reject wisdom because they want nothing to do with God. But as a church... That's not our problem. We want something to do with God. But we, even as a church, some of us um, reject wisdom, and the areas of rejecting is not necessarily rejecting God, but is fallen onto the same claim that the world and unsaved people fall on is they're wise in their own eyes, they don't need God. But we take God and we're wise in our own eyes as we have God. And as we're wise in our own eyes because we have God, what comes out is everybody starts to be a fool, but what's reality? I'll give me an example of what I'm talking about. It's easy for us to look at um, the liberal world and criticize it, tell it that it's garbage, be angry, be mad, be vile, be completely disgusted with it, and be critical, talk, judgmental of how horrible it is. We can do that, but is that reality? Reality is that the real world functions the way the real world should function if they don't know Jesus. So what happens is that we know Jesus and we have the book of Proverbs and we have wisdom and we have everything that is at our hand and our disposal and we can take it and be at our own wise and reality shuts off. Because reality is, there is a whole world who is liberal that need Jesus, and and God has put us in the position for the purpose of giving them Jesus. That's what reality is. But we can even get deluded and think, I'm wise in my own eyes because I have wisdom. Well, if we think that, we can go against reality. Many people walk in the church room, and as they're walking in the, the church room, they they start thinking, is everybody's messed up um, um, except me? <laughs> um, well, is that reality? Let me give you reality. Reality is that the person that's preaching from this pulpit right now is just as messed up as all of you. And I could shout for the bottom of my heart that I'm saved by grace, and I just love being saved by grace. But just two times this week, I had to do two major apologies You go, do you know Jesus? Of course I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm preaching Jesus. The gospel and the word of God is so close to my heart, but in my life, I still make mistakes. That's reality. But when we're wise in our own eyes, everybody's messed up except me. And that's what we really even look at. What it does, it shuts us off from reality. And as long as it shuts us off from reality, wisdom is not ours. Because we should be exploring reality instead of looking at everything from our eyes and our perspective. Number eight, a white, all wise people are more invested in what is going on around them than what is going on inside of them. I can't wait to preach the last sermon of this series because the whole book of Proverbs is going to disclose something. And do you know what it's going to disclose? It's going to disclose Jesus Christ as the perfect wisdom. So I'm not going to give you that sermon yet, but to just consistently give you a taste of it, if you want to know what wisdom looks like, look exactly to Jesus. Because what Jesus did is Jesus existed for everything that was around him. He existed for complete reality. He knew what was in God's mind, and he knew what the people need, and he knew what was in their mind. And therefore, he was not... Narcissistic. Remember, because he's perfect. He was not closed in on himself. He existed for a reason. He existed for a purpose, and he lived likewise for that purpose and for that reason. As he went to the cross, he says, I'm not existing specifically for me. I'm existing for the mission because there's a real thing that's happening. There is a reality, and I know what's going to take place if I pull back and I don't focus on that. Luke 22, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done, knowing that if he pulled back and didn't go to that cross, he understood exactly what would happen to all of us. He existed to be a solution. And when God is calling us to be wise people, he is calling us to exist to be a solution, to exist to be a solution to everybody we come in contact with, to exist to be a solution to give salvation to people that do not know, give life to people that we do not know or that, uh, that we work around. This is the solution that we should exist for. Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. Talked about the fear of the Lord, so I don't want to talk about that, but I just want to look at this last passage. Fools despise wisdom. Why would anybody hate wisdom? Why would anybody hate it? This is the reason why people would hate it. Because it demands us to look outside of ourselves, and we don't want to do it because it's our curse. It demands us to study others and look at other people's eyes rather than ours. It demands us to focus on other people's hurts even more than ours. Other people's situations more than ours. And in every situation, you're not coming up with, this is what I am doing, this is what I feel, this is who I am. You're looking out and say, I want to be a wise person. This is who they are, this is who they feel, this is what they are, this is what they, are, they am. So a wise person is somebody who's not closed in, but somebody who opens their eyes to the world around them and understands reality. Father, we just thank you so much for the book of Proverbs. God, there's so much meat um, in understanding wisdom. And God, we want to be a people that are starving for it, people that desire it, a people that are hungry for it. And I just pray, God, that, uh, that as we read the book of Proverbs consistently, that we would be challenged, God, to embrace what you embrace, go after what you and go after, and, uh, and live for what you live for. God, we just thank you, God, for giving us this understanding. Now empower us to do it. In Christ's name. Amen. Cards are being passed out. Cards are being passed out. Could you write your name on the front of the card, back of the card? Please write a prayer request. We have people that would love to pray specifically for that request. And if you write the request, it's guaranteed it will get in there.